Well, it is a privilege to be with you all this morning and uh, to share a little bit what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart this morning. And I'm going to be right up front with you. This is not a typical message for me. I uh, like expository preaching. If you're in expository preaching, this is a horrible message to take notes on, okay? So just bear with me here this morning. I would just like to just talk with you here this morning of something that's close to my heart, something that I wish somebody would have told me when I was sitting in your seat, okay? A while back, Elizabeth had talked with me about um, preaching today, and she told me that you're going to be talking about kingdom passions, things that Christ followers should be passionate about. So if you're going to look at what a Christ follower should do, we should look to Christ, right? So if you look through the Gospels and to see what Jesus was passionate about, you find he was passionate about many things, but the great theme of his passion was people. People broke Jesus' heart. People led him, drove him to action. People led Jesus to come to this earth as a baby in a manger. People led Jesus to walk among them. People led Jesus to bring redemption to this world. People led Jesus to the cross. Matthew 9, 35 to 38, talks about how Jesus had compassion on people because they were lost. They were sheep without a shepherd. Mark 8 says that Jesus had compassion on people simply because they were physically hungry. John eleven thirty five 35 says that Jesus wept with his friends over the death of Lazarus. People were Jesus' passion. And hopefully each of you here today, that is the basis of your passion. It should be, if that is why you are here. We all come from very different places. We've all had very different backgrounds. And we all have very different callings. And when you leave here, you're all going to go to different places and do very different things. However, at the heart of each of our call should be a burning desire to see people come to know Jesus Christ. People are why you are here. People are why you are paying a tuition. They are why you are taking your classes, even the ones you don't like. People are why you are here. And as you set out, <clears throat> excuse me, as you set out here on your own journey with your dreams and desires of what it's going to be like working with people, ministering with people, there is something that you are soon going to learn if you have not already experienced this. And that is people are messy. Okay? I'm not talking about that all people are physically messy. I'm not saying that. But people carry their own baggage. They carry their own pain. And they carry their own history. And when that person starts working alongside another person with their pain and their baggage and their mess, and you start mixing that together, 
pretty soon you've got a big old relational mess. And usually you're in the center of it, ministry. Wherever you go, and whoever you're going to be in contact with, you are going to encounter mess. You are going to encounter pain. And you might be sitting here and say, well, that's why we're here, right? We're here to learn how to lead people to Jesus and how to help fix their problems. And that's true. You are here to use, learn sorry, very valuable information of how to help people. But what happens when that hurt and that mess, that pain, is directed at you? Then what? What happens when you are hurt by the people you're ministering to and the people you're ministering alongside of? Then what? What do you do when your best friend in the church comes to you and tells you that they're leaving their spouse, they're leaving the church, and there's nothing you can do about it. What do you do when another pastor flat out lies to you? What do you do when a board member comes up to you and says, you've been here long enough? What do you do when the board won't follow your vision? What do you do when someone in your church spread lies about you? Then what? What do you do when people hurt you? Now, I did not say if, I said when. If you have not already experienced what I'm talking about, prepare your heart because it will happen. I don't say all this to be doom and gloom about ministry. I'm not trying to say this to discourage you. I'm telling you this to prepare your heart. Every, for instance, that I just mentioned has happened to myself or to my husband, Graham. Now, you might be thinking, well, they're just duds. You know, that may be so. We're definitely not perfect. But you could ask any pastor or teacher that you want to, and they would have a similar list of things that have happened to them. If you were going to work with people, and I mean really love on people, you are going to experience hurt. So what do we do with this? Okay. I'd like for us to look at a passage of scripture here this morning that I think is going to point us in the right direction. I'd like for us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're just going to walk through this passage of scripture this morning. We're not going to read every single verse. But I'd just like to talk this passage of scripture through with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. The very first word 
is there for. Now, I don't know what the class is called now, but it used to be called Intro to Bible Study. And if you took that, you knew if you see the word therefore, you ask, what is it there for? Very good. All right, so we're going to go back to chapter 3 very quickly. Uh, the third chapter in 2 Corinthians, here we see Paul is talking about the new covenant that Christ is setting up with his people. So we're just going to read the very last verse of chapter 3. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Therefore, okay? So, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, because he is making us more and more like him, therefore, verse one, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, okay, having the Holy Spirit in us, the new covenant, we never give up. That is the point of this whole chapter. We never give up. Because the Holy Spirit resides in us, because he lives in us, we should never give up. Because he is making us more and more like him, we should never give up. Because he is merciful to us, we should never give up. Verses two to four, I'm not gonna read them all to you, but it's just talking about living the truth and that sometimes in that, everybody doesn't see the good news. But verse five, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, he has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse seven, we now have this light shining in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit in us. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You ever heard the phrase, a cracked pot? Okay, someone who's kind of, you know, a little different, they're a cracked pot. That's what, the, what we are, okay? We are cracked pots, okay? But we get the privilege of containing, of holding the Holy Spirit, okay, in us, okay? Verse seven. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So someday when you go from this place and you do something great, Remember that you are just a cracked pot that contains, that exudes the Holy Spirit. What a privilege to be able to do that. Verse 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Those, those suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. 
Paul knew that this life was not going to be easy. He is saying, you will experience trouble. It is going to be difficult, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are the cracked pot getting to hold and exude the Holy Spirit. So we don't give up. Verse 11. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself with you. Paul experienced trouble, experienced hurt, as he says, in danger of death. Now, I'm pretty confident that none of you have had to experience that in your lifetime. And I pray that none of us have to. But Paul says that even in the face of death, still have the Holy Spirit in us. We don't give up. Verse 15. All of this is for your benefit. What is all of this? This whole passage, the fact the Holy Spirit is in us. We are cracked pots, privileged to hold the Holy Spirit. And problems are going to come, maybe even to the face of death. We have Christ in us. We do not give up. All of this is for our benefit. Verse 15 And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. When we don't give up, God gets more and more glory. And more and more people see that. And more and more people come to know him. So we don't give up. Verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are renewed every day. No matter what trouble you're facing, no matter what hurt you're experiencing, no matter what pain you're in, God is there to renew your spirit every day. Sometimes every hour, every minute. But the Lord is there. 17. For your present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now Paul's not diminishing or saying that we're not really dealing with troubles. But in the scheme of eternity, they're so small. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Again, eternity in mind. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot, cannot be seen. For the things we will see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. 
In 2006, I had the honor of being ordained in the Wesleyan Church at Beulah Camp. And that year, Dr. L.D. Buckingham was the speaker at the ordination service. Ashamedly, I could not tell you what passage of scripture he preached on. But I will never forget the point of his message. It was very simple, but it is still very vivid in my mind. Um, if you've ever been to the Beulah Tabernacle, you can picture this with me. And if you know Dr. Buckingham, quite tall, and he stands over the pulpit, right? And he leans on the pulpit, okay? And he gets his finger up as only he can do. I'm not going to try to sound like him because I know I can't. But he said something I will never forget. He said, press on. He said, no matter what you're going to experience, what pain is going to happen to you, press on. Now, there has been many times in our ministry that the Lord has brought those very simple words to my mind. And when you look at who said them and what he has accomplished with the Lord's help, because he's a cracked pot too, you can tell him I said that. <laughs> Obviously, pressing on works. Now, I do realize that this passage of scripture and this idea of pressing on, it doesn't take the pain away, it doesn't make the hurt any less. Believe me. But when we take our pain and our hurt to the Lord, and we begin living this 2 Corinthians, really believing that the Holy Spirit is in us, then pressing on becomes a lifestyle. We choose not to give up. It's a choice. We choose not to give in. Now, I know personally that there are times when the Lord is going to call you to leave a painful place. But if you get nothing else from this but, but this, do not let that lead you away from ministry altogether. Do not let that allow you to give up on people. Press on. Press on because someday you might get to hear a child say to you, you know, I don't usually like this whole church thing, but this is kind of fun. That might make it just a tiny bit worth it again. I know because I've heard that. Press on because someday you might get to hear the social misfit in your church with the horrible past 
come to you after accepting Christ, turning their life around and saying, thank you for accepting me. Thank you for welcoming me into this church. That will make it a little bit worth it. I know because I've heard that. Press on because you might get to sit with somebody praying, pouring out their heart to the Lord over their broken marriage and surrendering it to the Lord, entrusting their life, their marriage, their problems in the Lord's hands. That will make it worth it. I know because I've heard that several times. Press on because you might get to sit in your office with a lady and her family as she accepts Christ for the very first time. That is worth it. I know because I've been there. Press on because you might get to see a self-proclaimed atheist walk to the front of your church, kneel at the altar, and publicly give their life to Christ. That is worth it. I know, because I've seen it. I can promise you two things. As you leave to start your own adventure with the Lord, first of all, it will not be easy. Do not let anyone sugarcoat that to you. It will not be easy. But, second, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Early on in our ministry, Graham and I experienced a lot of hurt to the point that we very seriously considered leaving ministry altogether. It hurt so bad. And we felt so alone. But thankfully, we took some very good advice and pressed on. I can honestly tell you today that I am thankful for that time of hurt in our lives. It took many years to be able to say that. But it has made me, it has made my husband into the people that we are today. And for that, I can truly thank the Lord this morning. Every single good thing that I just mentioned to you a few moments ago has happened since that time of hurt. And you know, I shudder to think what, what would have happened to them, to us, if we had have given up. As you begin your ministry, and the problems come, because they will, Press on.
Don't give up. Please don't give up. Because it's worth it. I'd like for us to close our time here this morning. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It's Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. But I don't want you to look it up in your Bibles. I, I don't want it on the screen behind me. I would like to pray this passage of scripture over you and over your ministry. Okay? So let's go to the Lord and pray together. Precious Heavenly Father, when I think of all of this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources that you will empower each of these students with your inner strength through your spirit then you will make your home in their hearts as they trust in you. May their roots grow down into your love and keep them strong. And may they have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep your love is. May they experience your love though it is too great to understand fully. Lord, make them complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from you. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord bless you.